Welcome to the teaching ministry at Crothers Creek Community Church. Good morning. How is everybody today? I, I have really enjoyed our time of worship. I, I heard some people cheering at one point and clapping, and I just love when we come together on Sundays and, and really engage with our time together. And so I'm so encouraged this morning. And, and I mean, this powerful video that we just saw about who this Christ our King is, is profound, and it moves me every time I see it. I could watch it. I should watch it once a week. But uh, I, I, uh, we're diving into a new series today. It's, a, it's in the seven churches of Revelation. We're going to be um, spending from now until June in uh, Revelation 1 to 3, going through each of the letters uh, to each of the seven churches there. And so I have the, the honor, John has asked if I would introduce uh, and warm us up a little bit to the series that he will be diving into full force next week. So... Uh, I'll start with a little story. On September 8th of this past year, I experienced something that I had waited for since 1993. September the 8th was the day that I at last got to attend my first Lauren Hill concert. I, now, I have loved Miss Lauren Hill since she was in Sister Act 2 with Whoopi Goldberg in 1993. The movie is definitely in my regular rotation of modern classics. She had big hair, she had big pants, she had a big attitude, and she had this big voice. Those who know me uh, fairly well will know that I often have said that when I die and get to heaven, I'm going to sing like Lauren Hill. So... Um, you know, her, her vocals on some of the songs were, were spiritual, and, and I mean, she, she's done this rendition of His Eyes on the Sparrow that is amazing if you haven't heard it, and, and then she's doing this joyful, joyful thing, and there's the rapping, and there's the guys, and, and it's this inspirational movie, and then she went on, and she was working with the Fugees, and then they had a number of top hits, and then she did the Miseducation of Lauren Hill album. This is an album that broke records and won five Grammys. This was an epic album that came out in 1998, and actually still today, it gets regular play on the radio. So I knew every word of the songs, and on September 8th, 2011, I imagined it was going to be like a sing-along between me and her, and it didn't matter who else was there because we have a special connection. So with great anticipation of at last going to see this iconic figure in my life, me and some friends, we went to the show downtown. It was at the amphitheater. After the opening act, we waited as anticipation grew for the moment. This was it. It was now her turn to perform. I better go to the washroom quick. So Lauren Hill did not appear at her scheduled time, though. She wasn't 15 minutes late. No, she wasn't 30 minutes late. She wasn't even an hour late. She was over two hours late for her own show. So, but after all the waiting in a restless crowd, of course she was going to make it worth our while, right? Wrong. It was 
horrendous. She might have employed the worst sound crew in the history of the concert industry. Her vocals were almost inaudible over the bass and the drums, and they were reverbing off of the ceiling of the stage. And then she spent the entire performance angrily flapping her arms at the people behind her as if they'd never played these songs before with her. She was changing her mind in the middle of songs about what song she wanted to sing. It was... uh, awkward and uncomfortable to watch. So at first, the crowd had some confused patience. Surely, surely after a song or two, she would sort herself out. Maybe something had happened, and, and you know, she was just needing to work it out over the next couple songs. But no, it actually became worse and more awkward to witness. The crowd began to leave. I stood there in shock, I felt embarrassed for my friend Lauren. (laughs) I wondered what had happened to this amazing woman who clearly had her day in the mid-90s. I had known her of her for years. I had followed her for years. Here I see her before me, and she's a total train wreck. My friends and I ended up leaving the show in the middle of the set, and I have never left a concert before. Now, I'm Dutch, so if you pay for something, you're going to use all of it, right? But uh, I've never left a concert before, but this concert, I left early. And actually, by the time we left, the stadium was almost completely empty anyways. Most people had already left by the time we gave up. Uh, There was some speculation amongst the group that I was with, Um, Some would say that I did, in fact, cry on the way back to the car about Lauren. (laughs) It's up for debate. I might have cried a little bit. But uh, my whole image of her was just completely shattered. I, I actually haven't listened to her album since. It's been so devastating to my life. Who was this woman? And oh, no, please, Jesus, I don't want to sing like that in heaven. I take it back. I take it back. In the words of one of the critics the next day in the National Post, here's a good one for you. Thursday night's performance at the amphitheater was the closest thing I have ever seen to an artist writing their own obituary on stage. I was not prepared for what I got. Have you ever had that happen to you? You think you know someone, and then you experience them with either far greater or far worse than you could have ever imagined them to be. You, you know someone, or maybe you think you know someone, and then an encounter with them totally changes um, what you understand of who that person is for you. There's these game-changer moments that we sometimes have in a relationship. Welcome to our new series in the book of Revelation. In the opening verses of this last book of the Bible, we find ourselves joining the Apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. This is the one that Jesus loved. He's nearing the end of his life, and he records a profound encounter with Jesus Christ he has while exiled on the island of Patmos. 
John was a follower of Jesus from the time that Jesus called him away from his family fishing business as a teenager. This is the disciple, remember, the disciple who Jesus loved, Jesus' closest follower. This man was part of Jesus' inner circle with Peter and James, and they ate together and served together and laughed together for Jesus' whole earthly ministry life. John saw the transfiguration of Jesus. John was there at the cross when Jesus died, and Jesus gave his own mother, Mary, to John to care for her upon his death. And then John did, in fact, see the empty tomb and saw Jesus alive again. And then, a little later, he saw Jesus ascending into heaven, promising to return So John served for his whole life after that point as a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. John knew and loved Jesus deeply as friend and as Messiah, but we are about to see no amount of knowing has prepared John for this game-changing moment, for his meeting with Jesus in Revelation is unlike the Jesus that he has known thus far. We now find John is a very old man. He's exiled to this island of Patmos. It's a remote island. Uh, It's off of the coast of Turkey, kind of south of Greece. It's a big rock. There's not a lot there. It's not very interesting. And he was exiled there because uh, the Roman powers sent him there because of his preaching of the gospel and his work uh, towards uh, the good news of Jesus and not Caesar. So he's about to encounter a Jesus that he never would have expected, and the Jesus he thought he knew full well. Let's dive in. Revelation 1, we are in the last book of the Bible, of course, and uh, we invite you to go there, whether on your your phone or uh, paper copy, or you can just follow along on the screens. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So, right off the top, we notice the word revelation. It's the second word in the whole book. An unveiling, an uncovering, a disclosing. The word is actually apocalypsis, so we know apocalypse. And we often think of that in a negative sense, but here it's not actually necessarily bad news. It's just revealed news. And we see that this news goes straight from God, the Father, to Jesus Christ, to Jesus' very own angel, Just pause for a minute. Can you imagine Jesus' very own angel? And then to John, and then to the seven churches, and then, of course, well, here we are. It's 2012, and we are still talking about this moment. So Christ, who is the word, Logos, who was there at the beginning of creation, who spoke the world into being, has a word and a message for the church. And so he uses pictures and symbols to help us understand the message from his father, God the Father. We notice here in verse 3 that the intention for this book is to be read out loud and in community. The words that are chosen in the original language are flowing and they're poetic and are particularly designed to be pleasing for a group of people to hear and to understand together. And both the reader and the hearer will be blessed. 
Oh, my friends, we are in for a great blessing as we approach this book together as a church and in our connect groups and in our families and individually over the next 10 weeks or so. God himself is waiting to speak to us and pour out his blessing upon us if we are faithful to take it seriously, to take to heart what is written. There is an urgency to this message, and I hope that you begin to sense that today. Because as it says in the message version of verse 3, time is just about up. So we continue in verse 4. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. We see here John is writing to the seven churches in what is now modern Turkey. And and for this series we are starting today that will take us into June, we are going to look week by week at all of these uh, different letters, one week per letter, until we get to the end. And at the end, on June 17th, I believe it is, whatever the Sunday is, we are going to have uh, a time of, of worship, extended worship together here at night. The whole theme of this text is about worship, joy in worship. And so uh, we are all um, focusing ourselves on the worship of Christ here in the sermons and then in our connect groups and then as we gather together at the end for a, a special time of worship and testimony, what we're calling an encounter night. So... So John was the main teacher and leader overseeing these seven churches. It was basically uh, what can be looked at as what, what we today would call a multi-site mega church model, just like many churches use today. Uh, this is the original mega church. So there's nothing new under the sun. John is the main teacher and the visionary guiding this group of churches across the region under his teaching. These seven churches are tied together by a main circular road that circles around the entire uh, province of what is now Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And uh, they are actual churches. They, they did, in fact, exist at the time of the writing of this book. But they are also, as we will come to find, types of churches. And they're going to have a lot to say to us here at C4. So it continues... Further in verse 4, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from sins, from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. At that point, I feel like I have nothing left to say. I can just go sit down because there's a whole sermon in and of itself, just reading that over and over. But we will continue. <laughs> the message from the great from the great God who was and who is and who is to come, enters with grace, this is the non-Jewish greeting, and peace or shalom, which is the Jewish greeting. We see the united church of Jews and non-Jews being greeted directly by the Father, Holy Spirit, and Son Jesus all together. We see, you notice this, this line that says here in verse 4, the seven spirits before the throne. And this is most likely a reference to the Holy Spirit. Now some scholars have suggested that this could in fact be angels or archangels, but we don't see anywhere else in Revelation angels being referred to as spirits. Spirits. 
So seven, we have to conclude the seven spirits is in fact something else. Seven is the number in scripture for perfection or completeness. And it's showing here the representation of the holiness and the perfection of the Holy Spirit. And if we were to go, interestingly, over to Isaiah 11, we're not going to go there, but you can mark it if you'd like. Isaiah 11, we would see seven attributes of the Holy Spirit or the characteristics, seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And if we were to go to Zechariah 3 and 4, we would see that there are seven eyes of the Lord which hover over the earth as attributes, again, of the one Holy Spirit's character. So here in Revelations 1.5, we see Jesus Christ described in three ways. He is the faithful witness, or witness can also be translated as martyr. He is the faithful martyr. He is the firstborn from the dead as the risen and living Jesus, and now also declared as the triumphant ruler of the kings of the earth, crucified teacher, resurrected savior, king eternal. And then, and then we see the three things he has done for us. Number one, he loves us presently, currently, actively, passionately. Christ loves us. I I wonder if anyone here today just needs to hear that. If you take nothing else away, as we've talked about up until this point in the service, we remind you again, Christ loves us you actively and passionately he pursues you and gives everything of himself for you to know him and for him to know you secondly he freed us this is in the past tense the cross of christ it's done it's for freedom that christ has set us free there is a great victory for those who are in christ we have a great enemy who wants us to believe we are still in bondage and christ declares it is done you have a calling and a purpose on your life you are free and thirdly he makes us a kingdom of priests We see both politics and religion are colliding here under the reign and rule of Christ. There is no separation of church and state. We are a kingdom of priests. We are his ambassadors. All of us as followers of Christ are declared royal priests to bring his reign and his rule across the earth. Priest is not an occupation, occupation held by just some believers, but just as we learned in our spiritual gifts series in the fall, we, we see that all believers have spiritual gifts that are to be used for the building up of the church. You, my friends, as fellow believers, are priests. You are in full-time ministry. And this is one of the main reasons, in fact, that we do connect groups here at the church. We want you to gather in groups so that you as royal priests, a kingdom of priests, can use your God-given gifts and abilities and passions to bring God's kingdom more and more in each other's lives, all for the glory of God. So we continue in verse 7. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We see two times in only just a matter of a few verses here that God is who, this God who's being talked about was 
and is and is coming. The book of Revelation is the sparkling conclusion to a story that began in Genesis in the beginning, in the beginning of our text in the Bible that we have in our hands. The God of this book is declaring yet again, as he has throughout the Bible, that he was then, he is right now, and he forever will be God, the living one, the great and central force of all history as communicated through the picture of the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, who now sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is coming again. If we would only remember to keep this as a perspective, how it would change our daily life. We wait in expectation for a king who is coming, and we work with passion and with energy for our friends and our neighbors and our family and strangers and our neighborhoods and our nation to know it also. Jesus Christ is declared here in this book as God himself, and he is coming back. Are you ready? Now, to read this last section in its entirety, because I don't, I don't want to break it up for you. I'm just going to read it. Verse 9. So I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow." not gray, but in fact white, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, I'm not going to dissect this too much today for two reasons. One, actually John is going to bring us back to to verse 9 and and continue from there next week. Um, But more than that, actually, uh, as one person said as I was reading this week, to describe and pick apart this moment is like trying to uh, unweave a rainbow. You behold it, you take it in, you marvel at it, you look at it, but you can't separate its parts. You can't pick it apart or it loses its essence. And I don't want to make something small out of how significant this picture is for us today. 
So first, we're going to look again at this disciple Jesus who is receiving this revelation in front of his eyes. And it's playing out like a movie. and, And he's recording it. He's putting it down for the church. He's trying to describe these things that he's seeing in front of him. This is a man, remember, at the end of his life. At about 100 years old, he is the last living of the original 12 disciples because the rest have all been killed for their faith. In fact, Christian history has it that that John himself was boiled alive for his testimony, but he would not die. So they sent him to this island because he wouldn't die. (laughs) This guy has a story. So if anyone has the right to kick back, to relax at 100 years old, to feel, feel like you're at the end, he's at the end of his ministry on a remote rock in the middle of the Mediterranean, John is the guy. He probably would be bearing the scars of these abuses all over his body. So he's all alone, and it's a Sunday, and he's doing church. He's faithfully doing church, even though he's all by himself. He's having a worship service between him and God, and he's in the spirit. He made a decision to be, to, earlier in his life to submit himself to whatever life his God would have for him and to worship Jesus in all circumstances. See, for church, what does your worship of God look like when we're not together? What does your worship of him look like when you're all by yourself? It says John was in the spirit. And of course, this is never an accident. We always lean towards our sinful nature, towards our flesh, towards our selfishness. And so just as John did, we must continue to surrender ourselves, our earthly selves and desires to God. If we want to see him revealed in our world and experiences. If we don't want to be challenged in our doctrine, if we don't want to, to, to anyone to mess with what we already know, we are safe from hearing a fresh revelation from God. John knew Jesus as the teacher, as the man who did miracles and ate with all types of people, as the one transfigured before him, James and Peter. He knew the suffering Christ and the risen Christ on the third day. He watched this Jesus ascend into heaven. He knew Jesus incredibly well as a beloved friend who he had now experienced in his life for almost 80 years. And yet, on this day, John is struck down as if he were dead by the appearance of his friend and king Jesus before him as the living one, the great king, the great I am. See, four, are you looking to hear from God? Do you want to know him? Is your desire in life to have life and truth and power and purpose from the only source of our life? It doesn't just happen. We must be found in worship to Jesus continually and in submission to him in all areas of our life. We will never get a fresh revelation from Jesus if we don't want our image of Jesus to be altered. Say it again. We will never get a revelation from Jesus if we don't want our image of Jesus to be altered. Are you desperate enough today to see God move in your life, 
in your family, in this church, in our community, that you are willing to worship him in private as well as in public, whoever he reveals himself to you to be in any of his forms. Are you seeking a fresh vision of Jesus that will show you more of who he is so that you can worship and know him? Not so that you can get something from him, but so that you can know him, so that he can reveal himself to you as this living king. I've never had an experience like John had described here. I know some people have had profound visual encounters with Christ. And there are people amongst us here uh, that I've been hearing these stories about in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it hasn't been my story, but I long for this. I've spent, I've spent this week uh, before God begging him to show up in my life and in our church. Uh, it's, been, it's been a significant week for me in my worship of Christ as I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm knowing him and not just what he will do for me. So are you seeking him in prayer and worship and, ex- and in scripture? Do you actually want a fresh revelation of this Jesus that you may know? It's a holy thing when Christ himself chooses to come into our lives and reveals himself to us for who he is. This is why at C4 we are continually encouraging you to pray, God, do whatever you need to do in me for your glory, for my freedom, and so that others can see Jesus. In this text, we see Christ's voice is unmatched in power, and it can be this way in our lives if we desire to hear and respond. So what is this voice that we like, this voice of Christ? Well, we see it described in three ways here in the text, verses 10, 15, and 16. First in verses 10, it is like a trumpet, Or a shofar would be the Jewish trumpet. It would be something that gathers the Hebrew people for a message. See, for in this series, the Lord Jesus Christ is gathering us for a message. We see in verse 15 that it is like the sound of rushing water. And as our church has received promises in recent times, God is describing and promising that he will bring water to the desertous places of our lives, but also not just us individually, to us corporately here as a church, and then also in our community. We are praying and begging the God who is described here for a great awakening because there are so many who don't know Jesus and have never met Jesus and we know him and we just want everyone to know how good this news of the kingdom of God is. So verse 16, it is a double-edged sword. The power of Christ the king is also the authority of a judge. But because Christ is the word or logos, he doesn't even need to take up a weapon against his enemy. His very voice, when spoken, can bring life and can bring death. He, when he speaks, they can just drop dead. The same voice that said, let there be light in the beginning, can now say, it's done. And his enemies will fall. He is coming to bring his kingdom and his rule and his reign on the earth as the rightful king and the great high priest amongst those who believe and are a kingdom of priests. So in Revelation 1, John is the recorder of a message to the seven churches. It's a picture of our God for all to hear and to be blessed by as we do this together. 
Although John was alone on that island, this book he writes is for the community that he belongs to but is not physically able to be with. It is for the people to sit and discuss and wonder about together. To call them as a kingdom of priests to not grow weary in the journey of faith and the serving of Christ because time is almost up. And so... We did our last series uh, in Philippians, and again, we're going to offer you today the opportunity for you to learn and grow and take this beyond sunny, Sunday morning in your small churches and spread that are spread all around our region. Our small churches we call connect groups, and these are just small gatherings of, of us who sit amongst each other and food and scripture and prayer to try and understand this God that we follow. So as I described in January when I spoke about this, we believe that these groups are critical to your discipleship and connection to community here at C4. We must do this thing together. At the times bef- at the, as the times become more and more urgent towards Christ's return, as we become more and more aware of the great needs in our world, we have to grapple this together. We need to be excellent at doing small church. In January, when we relaunched these groups as connect groups, many of you joined in the study of Philippians in your existing group, or you maybe signed up and joined a new group for that particular study. We talked at the time about on-ramps and off-ramps to try and allow the freedom for you to join a group for a season or a series, but not lock yourself in for an unreasonable or scary commitment to a group of people you might not even know yet and you you, you can't necessarily commit to in the long term because of other things in your life. But if you'd like to hear more about that whole philosophy, I encourage you to go check out, uh, check out that sermon from January. It's called Sticky Church on our website. If you need a reminder, a refresher of the philosophy of how we do these connect groups here at the church. And we've gotten the survey feedback from uh, the 30 groups. So 30 groups joined us in the study in Philippians. And it's been amazing to hear the stories of how God has moved in these groups as, I've, as I'm receiving these surveys and getting the, the updates weekly from the leaders. There's story after story of God's transformation of, of us. And, and whole groups, in fact, some have been uh, totally revitalized in the last number of months through... Uh, through a a fresh word and through God's movement amongst them. It's the power of people gathering together to share life and know God more. Uh, People have become believers through your connect groups in the last few months. Lonely people have found meaningful places of friendship. Prayers have been shared and answered. People have learned and grown and laughed and eaten together over the Philippian series. And I know myself, I have been changed by this series. And, and, and because I've been doing uh, community with this connect group that I've, that I've joined recently, I, I'm not just saying that because it's, you know, it's my job. Uh, you can ask them. They all kind of have started sitting together over here, and they'll tell you about what God has been doing in our group and, in, and maybe in me too. But over the next few weeks and into the next few months, we're going to be sharing some of these stories, whether through video or through interviews here on the stage. We want to share these testimonies. And also at the end of this series uh, in Revelation, at our time of worship together on that Sunday night, uh, we invite you to come and to hear and to share your stories of how God is moving in your life as you gather as a church to be in Scripture together. 
So, you know, some of, uh, some of the people who've done Philippians now, of course, they have the freedom to, to choose to, to stay and continue with the Revelation study or to, to move on and, to, uh, and to, to do other things as their schedule allows. But I'm, I'm happy to let you know that it seems to be working because over 90% of the people who participated are continuing into the next season of the study, and they're going to be joining in the seven letters of Revelation. And God is revealing himself to these people. So today we invite you to sign up for a group out in the lobby uh, after the service and join a connect group for the next eight weeks of study in the book of Revelation. These are groups for, there's groups for different ages and stages and there's groups on different nights of the week and in different places around from Scarborough border out to Bowmanville area. And we do encourage you um, because this is a, is a book that is designed to be read in the context of a church community. We really encourage you uh, to, to try out a group. So this series in, Reve- in the seven letters of Revelation, as I said, it's about joy in worship. It's joy, is joy in the focus of our lives being on the one who can actually give us true joy. So in our connect groups each week and in the series here, we will offer you opportunities to worship and to hear from God and discover what that means to you uniquely and to pray together in some various ways. Now, for those of you who are seeking and trying to make sense of this Jesus we are speaking about, maybe uh, Revelation kind of freaks you out. And maybe some people who you know that understand or think they understand the book of Revelation, maybe those people freak you out a little bit too. But I encourage you to join a connect group today because it's a great place to ask questions, to discover, to meet people like you, and to consider that Jesus, who brings us love and freedom, calls us to be a kingdom of priests. And you can even begin that journey by meeting him today. Today is your day. You're off to great places. So uh, after the service, we are going to have a, a time of response. There will be some, some pastors up here um, for all of us to come if we would like to, to pray and consider and, and just worship uh, the God who we are, who we are speaking about uh, here in Revelation 1. Now for those of you who are following Jesus, but recognize you haven't been living in anticipation and readiness of a new word from him, that you've become okay with the Jesus that you may know and pray to, and don't expect him to show up in a new way in your life. Or maybe you are expecting him to show up in your life, but you don't necessarily expect him to show up in the whole church or in this community. You can, can handle a God that can handle you, but you're not really convinced yet that, that this God you follow actually desires the hearts and the lives and the salvation of all of the people who live in and amongst us here in Durham. Well, if you're, maybe your life is not really a continual act of worship, perhaps. Maybe you're, you're resonating with this idea that, that uh, you, you get worship on Sundays, but you're not really sure how that translates into your day-to-day life as you consider this great king that we see in Revelation. Well, my grace and peace to you, uh, the grace and peace of Christ to you comes in Revelation 1. Today is the day for you to prepare yourselves as we enter this series. Take time during the closing songs today and into the rest of your day uh, today. Take a moment here to not rush out necessarily right away. Confess your sins. 
to express your desire to see a new revelation of Christ in your life and in this church and in this reason, region. The Christ that we, that we read about in Revelation 1 is alive and he is active and he longs to reveal himself to us if we would be not just hearers of the word, but actually doers of the word. And for those of you who are seeking Jesus, to, you are seeking Jesus to give you a new vision of himself and to reveal himself to this church and into this region and into the world, do not relent. John was 100 years old, and he had every reason in the book to give up and die quietly. Yet he was faithful in worship and prayer and teaching and leading and seeking God to the very end of his life. God desires to do a great thing amongst us here at C4, but we can't force him. We, can, we must ask him and we must beg him and we must come in worship to him again and again until we see the thing that he has promised actually come into play. This book of Revelation is for the church united. This is for us to discuss and be stirred by. It is for us to talk about at Swish LA. It is for us to think about when we're driving in our cars. It's for us to come prepared to hear from every Sunday. It is for us to engage in connect groups and in our families around the table. We must worship this great high king and seek to know him more. And it is promised in the beginning of this letter that we will indeed be blessed if we are not just doers of the word, or sorry, not just hearers of the word, but in fact, doers of the word. So I'm going to pray as we invite the, the, the band to come back up, and I encourage you to, to just take a moment with me, I will too, to, to reflect on where you're at with this. How does this sit with you? Uh, what, is, what is the Jesus that you, you know and, and maybe talk to, maybe pray to? Is it, is it, is it Jesus uh, that is shown here in Revelation 1? Or is it Jesus your friend, Jesus the, the carpenter? I mean, it's all Jesus. Is it Jesus on the cross? He's all one Jesus in multiple facets of his personality and character. But, but we are encountering here in Revelation the type of character of Christ that we don't often speak about. We like Jesus as our friend and maybe Jesus as our personal counselor or maybe even Jesus our boyfriend, but we, we don't really often know Jesus as this great king, the great I am who is and who was and is in fact coming. He's coming for you and he's coming for me and he's coming for everyone that we have ever known in our lives. And so I invite you with me, we're gonna just take a moment uh, to, to meet with Jesus and to, and to confess if we need to confess that we've been holding on to who we thought we knew him to be. Uh, and I invite you to, to ask if you would like to, for him to reveal himself to you and to this church and to our community in a way that we have never seen before. That many, many would know Jesus and would be saved. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I, 
kneel before you now and I, I come with my brothers and sisters here. And I stand, I, I'm in awe, I'm just in total awe of this picture in Revelation 1 of who you are revealed to us. Now, Jesus, we confess that sometimes we just hold on so tightly to who we think we know you to be that we can't see who you really are. We ask, Jesus, that you would move in our lives, that you would move in this church, and that you would move in this community in a way like we have never seen before. Jesus, that we would not be satisfied with the status quo. Jesus, that we would would not be okay to live our life into quiet obscurity. But Jesus, that you would come and be amongst us. We can't force you. We just ask you to come and reveal yourself to us. Show us who you are so that we could worship you. Jesus, thank you that you have, in fact, already revealed yourself to us. Thank you for the work that you are doing in this church. We ask that you not relent. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep speaking to us. Would we be obedient children who listen and obey to the words that you have for us? Jesus Christ, King of kings, show us your glory. And it is in your name we pray and come boldly before the Father with this request. Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you want to know more about our church or give financially, go to our website at www.carotherscreek.ca.